Where are your convictions? And I want to read something to you. I want you to go to the book of Ecclesiastes very quickly. And I want to read here uh, in verse 4. And if you don't have the time to read it or you can't get over there that quick, I already had mine marked. But uh, I, want to, I want to read this to you tonight here in uh, verse 4 of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. He said, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. Notice this. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Look at verse 5. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Now, I want to give you these references tonight. And the first reference I want to give you, and I know you're well familiar with it, but I'm going to give it, give it to you because this is what the Lord's given me. He had been speaking to me, and I know he's not, and I've, I've shared some of this at the church. But I know I heard from God from this because we, we just don't hear it as we once did. You know, again, I mentioned a while ago when I was young, I remember seeing people come up and, I mean, pray through. They didn't just come up real quick, get down in five minutes. They prayed. They wept. They sobbed. We saw evidence of people and and there was a generation there was conviction there and we don't see that like we once did but I'm going to say this to you and I'm biblically prophetically convinced before Jesus comes we're going to see that return to the church we're going to see and that's not condemnation it's just simply the Holy Ghost saying I don't this is not good for you he'll tell you that about a relationship you I've said this you may think he's hot she's hot water let me tell you something looks will deceive you I'm not saying go out and look for the ugly duckling. That ain't what I'm saying tonight. I'm just simply saying this. The thing that makes that person beautiful and attractive is their walk with God, their heart. Let me tell you, the real person is not how good he or she looks. It's, again, it's the heart. You know, it's the heart. And they're going to be a battle. Because you're, and I'm going to tell you where the battle is. It won't be with the devil. It'll be with you, self against the Holy Ghost. Your spirit wrestling with his. I won't, I won't, I won't. And so many people, you know, you, you ask anybody that's got any sense, still believes in heaven and hell. You want to go to hell? Well, no. But you've got a lot of people that still not willing to give up what they want. And they want God to get involved in what they're doing. You understand what I'm saying? One man of God said years ago, he said, real prayer is, is not God getting involved in what we're doing, but us getting involved in what he's doing. Amen. Where are your convictions? When the Spirit of God comes, He'll begin. You get born of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, that's when He'll begin to put limits. He won't, listen, He'll buffet your spirit. You won't be able to sleep at night. And you won't have to tell Bethany. You won't have to tell Jonathan. You won't have to tell my brother. Here, my brother over here. The Spirit of God will let you know. You know, when I was a little boy, I often used this. My mother would know a lot about what I did, what I shouldn't do. And then I'd say, how'd you find that? She said, little birdie. And I've told the church, I said, I'd like to kill that bird a lot of times, but I never could find it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like it. It just really eat me up. How in the world did you find that out? But it was God. It was discernment. He knows every th track. He knows every step you and I take. You know, you can be at church and say amen, but remember what the apostle Peter said, it's the hidden man of the heart. That's where it all comes out at. He really knows who I am, what I am, and how I'm living.
Come on now. Amen. He, he knows everything about us. But what he's saying here, you don't make a vow to God, not pay it. And one of the persons that I, I want to bring to you, I want to bring out two men tonight. I want to bring out Joseph and I want to bring out Samson to you. Okay, very quickly. No matter what Joseph did, God blessed him. He had a woman issue. Now, don't take that the wrong way. But he overcame it. I say an issue. He was propositioned. He could have, but he had conviction. See, I'm going to move quickly. I'm not being rushed. The Holy Ghost, but remember this. You got conviction when you're by yourself. The Spirit of God will begin to buffet. Don't go there. Don't watch that. Pull back from him. Pull back from them. Pull back from her. Come on. The Spirit of God. Not listen. It won't be Brother Frost. God will use preaching. It won't be even Pastor Jonathan not being with you physically. But if you have the Holy Ghost, He will deal with you. When you take the wrong step, you begin to make the wrong decision. Come on. You fly off the handle. Lose your temper. Come on. You want to tell, listen, you'll know it. Uncle Buddy Robinson, it was a, he was not an educated man. Um, they said he, he had a lisp, wasn't an eloquent speaker. And he was saved under W.B. Godby in Alvarado, Texas, August 11th, 1891, with a pistol and a deck of cards in his pocket. That's the history. It's a little bit of history. But Uncle Buddy was a man that was used mightily in the Nazarene denomination and several other churches. But there was an occasion in his early life he had been saved. He knew it. Born of the Spirit. But on one day, he's out in the field with a mule. And the mule wouldn't do what he wanted the mule to do. Stubborn. He grabbed that mule's ear and he bit it. And nobody was out there. But he testified later to that. He said, what kind of Christian am I? When I go to church, yeah, now I know that sounds, you know, just out, but he caught up and confessed it. He said, what kind of Christian am I? I lose my temper with an animal. And he said, that told me then I need victory in this area to where I don't fly off the handle. Come on. Now, Brother Langford will tell you, because I know he's pastoring the Church of God, and the Church of God, the Nazarene, probably emphasized what is called entire sanctification and it is progressive, but there was a, there's a crisis, biblically a crisis experience that every believer comes to. And it will be over your life. It will be over the future of your life or who you're wanting to spend it with and how you want to live it. And I'm telling you, you know, uh, my sister, and I can say this, she, she really fell in love with a young man in her early years. And nothing ever happened sexually, but they, they just had a lot in common. And he come from, you know, he was, and I don't believe he ever changed, come from a Roman Catholic background. And uh, the Holy Ghost, somebody say that, Holy Ghost. She is praying down in Fett County in an old country church where my grandfather and my daddy had pastored. My daddy's first pastorate, where they're buried, the remains are. And she's down there at that altar. And while she's there, the Holy Ghost said, you're going to have to give him up. You're going to have to give up what you want, your feelings, your emotions, your attractions. Nothing had happened. He highly respected her. But they just they went out to eat. She's visiting relatives up in Maryland. They met each other. He's a nice-looking guy. He was a gentleman. He had good money. Everything looked good. Can't we get God involved in this? 
I can lead him to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, he to this day highly respects her. But while she's there praying, I want what you want, Lord. I want you to have my life. And when she said that, he said, release him. Release him. She did. God took it from her. But the Holy Ghost knows the future. Stay with me tonight. The Holy Ghost knows the future. I don't know the future. I can mess you up if I don't hear from God. Do you hear me? I, my, I can be, regardless of preacher, I can, if I give you the wrong counsel, it can really mess with your life. I can tell you what I want you to have and what you want to have and everybody be happy. And yet God said, that's not what I wanted out of him and her. That's why we're going to answer for every message we preach. We come here to talk for God, not about him. Come on, somebody. And here's the, here's the story tonight. Here's Joseph. You read there in the 30, I've got it marked over here. In that 39th chapter, you know, his, his brother sold him for 12 U.S. dollars to the Ishmaelites. But even from that time on, you never see him revolting where he was at. Tough. You never see him. You don't read. God only knows what went through that man's mind. While he's there, he's propositioned. While he's there, he's lied on. He had just been sold by his family. Everything that could deal with someone's emotion that could even justify why I'm angry, but yet it never happened with him. And let me tell you the key to his victory. He had convictions. Read it. If you get a chance, study that 39th chapter. And then he goes into Patiphar's house. And everything is going good. And he's been entrusted. So Patiphar goes on a journey. And then his wife, you know, she wanted to get involved with him. She propositioned him. He said, no. Read it. I'm paraphrasing it. The 39th chapter. No, I'm not going to do that. I've been entrusted with too much. In other words, you're not worth me losing favor with God and man. You hear this? You've you got to resolve it. No one or nothing materially is worth you losing favor with God over. I, you know, you love your family, but I'm going to say Jesus must be preeminent, Colossians 1.18. He must be first. This is not about if everything's going the way I want it to go, then I love Jesus. When things don't want to go your way or it's not going your way, then what are you going to do with Jesus? Everybody already understand this? This is it. F.B. Meyer, an old uh, wholeness reprint I have, it's entitled The Christ Life or the Self Life. He he, he deals with that. You're going to find more about it. Yeah, the devil's out there, but I'm going to tell you, the devil ain't ever made Lyndon Frost do anything. Anytime I failed, it was because of Lyndon. You hear me tonight? I deserve hell tonight. I'm only here by the mercy of God. I, I, listen, forget the title. If there's no fruit to it, then I, listen, correct me, reposition me, put me where you want. This is, I've pastored before, but I didn't ask for this. You know, I didn't tell my brother-in-law, by the way, whenever you die, let me have that church. You know there's a lot of people who's got enough guts to say things like that. I'd like to have that church when you get through. How many churches his grandfather built? And I can tell you, he, he had the Sanballites 
and, and the Tobias who were opposition to Nehemiah and the rebuilding. Pastor Langford's come in contact with a lot of those down through the years when he was a young preacher. He'll tell you about that. I've heard a few stories. It's not easy to see a work built. And with all due respect, I know people have schedules, but I'm going to say this to you. It's amazing when tragedy hits, people will come in by the scores. When a real crisis hits. But when the crisis is not there, you ever notice it? There's something about us that wants control. And I'm not saying we don't need rest. Because Jesus had to get away for rest. But, but take this with moderation. Be careful to get too comfortable. I saw it even before I took this, and this is my fourth pastorate. Pastors can do it if you're not careful. People can do it going to church. You get too comfortable. Hey, come on. I, I, you know, we're not, not being hateful or critical, but you wonder what goes on on midweek services and all over America. I know preachers. I've ran into preachers. They're all about, <clears throat> well, we had three or 400. Now, I'm not saying we don't need to be accountable. I'm just saying this. So many are concerned about their seeding capacity. And I teach this in the school rather than their sending. We're not talking about running people off. We're talking about them being sent out by the leadership of the church that has already pre-qualified and pre-trained and been entrusted with a vision over the house. And those that come in, everyone won't stay, but everyone won't go. Everybody understand that? It's just like in a factory. You've got to find your place in an assembly line. But everybody wants a promotion, but it will require sacrifice. My niece just moved to Lynchburg. She's moving back from Lynchburg, Virginia. She's, she made double as an RN for what she made in Dyersburg. They may want her in Nashville, don't know. But let me tell you, Bethany, she, she thanked the Lord for the money. But I'm going to tell you, she went through it. Being away 10 hours from her mom and her family, she had never had that happen. See, there's always a price to pay if you want the benefit. You hear me tonight? I told you, you know, mentioned to you a while ago, uh, people, you know, Pastor Jonathan mentioned it a while ago about these revival outpours. And it, listen, it, evident, lives were changed. My, ki- my children today never got away. The pastors, the people there, the, the, even the, the, the people that came to the school, they never got away. When he and Brother Timothy came to that second outpouring, about 10 minutes down the road from the other place, and he may remember it very clearly. I don't know if there's an empty house, empty room. There's a much smaller building. We maybe had, could seat 75, 80 people, but they were women in there, 65, 70-year-old that didn't even miss class. I, it absolutely took my breath. I thought, my God. We went four nights a week, and they wouldn't miss. And, the, I, you know, one young man, uh, you know, uh, he, he was a little bit young, younger than what I am now, but, but at one time, this, this man, of course, years later, he died of cancer. And brother, he got born again during the first school in 98. Got born again. And they knew he was different because he quit doing. He changed, didn't have no desire. Here it is. When you really get changed, your nature will change. You won't do what you used to do. People say, well, you're not perfect. Don't make no excuses. Don't look for no ox. Come on. I know we've got imperfections. We've got weaknesses. But listen. If any man is in Christ, woman as well, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, they're a new creature. And you know where it starts? When you make a vow, I want him. I'm making a commitment. I want you, Jesus, more than anything. I don't want sin in my life. I don't want it hanging over my life. I want deliverance. I don't want to be reminded when I drink 
or when I run around or the nightclubs. Come on now. Anybody that sits around and still rejoices in that, they need to pray through. There ain't nothing funny about getting drunk. I've, all, I've often said, what in the world? People get a kick, think it's cool to throw their guts up after they get drunk and brag about it. Come on. I mean, really. There's nothing to that. I mean, we've all sowed seed in some form or another. People call it sowing your wild oats. The writer of Hebrews talked about, you know, there's sin, there's, there's, there's pleasure in sin for a season. But oh my. See, here again, when you walk against what you know is right, the worst can come to you. Have mercy. I, I've been backslid. I don't rejoice over that. But let me tell you where the downfall started. When I started associating with people who were not walking with God on a regular basis. Now, working with them is one thing. Dale's got to work with them. You've you got to work with them is one thing. But what you do after work, why do you hang out with them like that? Why do you laugh at their dirty jokes? Huh? Why do you watch what they watch and laugh? Would Jesus, you got to ask yourself, every, we all do. Would Jesus do it? Would he watch it? Come on, everything is gauged by that. You don't have to live according to my standard. Pastor Langford tells you the same thing. It's not about, it's not legalism. It, it, they, they called it holiness at one time. And I know a lot of people, you know, they, well, I wouldn't want to dress and look like that. Well, you know, I, I've told people, you ain't got to look like you just got off the Mayflower. But my God, you ain't got to look like something's walking the streets of New York either. And I ain't talking about just women. I'm talking about just in general. And, you know, people say, well, it's not the outside. No, but when the inside's changed, he'll change the outside. I've watched my girls before. They'll, I wouldn't have to tell them. They put on a pair of shorts. I'd be, so you don't say nothing. I said, the Holy Ghost is bigger than me. They, they know daddy got backbone. They got, I got a loud voice. Girl, don't you wear them britches or whatever. As they get older, you know. But there's a time they come up. and Where's your shorts that you had on there? I don't feel right wearing them. They're too short. Young man come to the church in Jasper years ago. He had hair down to here. I didn't preach, Brother Roy. You need to go get your hair cut, son, if you're going to work with this church. I didn't tell him that. I just went to the barber, as I often do, and got a haircut. And one day, as he's coming, he's a great painter. He said, you going to the barber shop? I said, I am. He said, can I go? I'd like to get a haircut. I said, you sure can. I never said anything to him. And let me tell you, as you get older, you'll learn this. The Holy Ghost is bigger than we are. Now, I, I've got convictions, and it may not be yours, but I'm saying this. If you don't have conviction, you're in trouble. If all systems go, you're in trouble. And this is what we've got. We've got a Starbuck donut casual setting. Why are people having to advertise casual service? What in the world is a casual service? Come on, somebody. I ain't wearing a suit. I do have on jeans. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? Casual, sir. I know it's okay to be casual. You haven't got every time, just come as you are. And if you don't know Jesus, you keep coming, you'll meet him. And you ain't got to dress like Brother Frost. Come on. But as you seek God, I'm here to tell you, this is a personal thing. He'll get close to you. And then he'll call you by your first name. And he gently will say, this is not good for you. You can get around the wrong people and he'll begin to buffet you. Ooh. And they'll begin to use God's name in vain. Or they'll begin to curse or talk filthy or dirty. And, 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 and all of a sudden, your spirit's getting, I'm, un, I'm uncomfortable. This is conviction. I've worked jobs before. Worked part-time jobs. And they'd call me preacher man. How come you don't do a preacher man? I said, got born again, don't you? think you're better than me? I said, no. No, sure don't. You want a beer? I said, no. You want a joint? No. Used to, no more. Don't want it. Don't have no desire. 
The old man used to do that. Now, this may look very similar to the old man, but this heart has been changed. Here it is. I got born again, and then I got hungry to get filled with the Holy Ghost. I remember that night down at camp, the young people coming up praying. And I mean, I don't know how many of them got filled that was with the evangel, filled with the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. I ain't talking about goosebumps. I'm just, I feel the Holy Ghost. See, there's a striving in our generation for the real to come back to the church. Oh, God, it's good to read about Wigglesworth, and it's good to read when the assemblies prayed through and the assemblies of God was birthed and the church of God was birthed. And we can read history, and I love history. And very, very selective. And when I read as a young preacher, Charles Finney, and read about how he went up into the, whole, the, the hayloft, he was an intellect. He was into universalism, and it's come back to America. That means, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it like Joseph Prince teaches, y'all familiar with him, that, you know, they'll be more in heaven than they are in hell. Jesus didn't teach that. That don't mean everybody's going to hell. I, you know, I put up Matthew 7, 13 here not long ago, and Lord, I'm telling you, I, I didn't know that there's many foxes in the bush as what there was. Son, they come out barking. They didn't like it. I didn't write it. Jesus did. I just put up what Jesus did. And he simply said this, broad is the way, come on, that leads to destruction. And then he said, narrow is the way, Come on, straight is the gate, and there's the way it leads to life. Now, I didn't say that. Frost has nothing to do. That was Jesus. People get mad at you. Tell them the truth. It's not preached anymore. You preach that to a lot of these others. Come on. Some of these churches y'all got here, they're all over. We've got them in Dyersburg. You know, they, they've got, again, they have, a lot of them advertise casual setting. They've, they've done everything but move Ronald McDonald and put his plaque up inside the church. And I ain't against eating hamburgers, but I'm telling you, the church... This is to be a house of prayer for all nations. And I like to eat as much as anybody else, but I'm going to tell you, when everything goes, and anything goes, come on, there ought to be a reverence on Sunday. But the believers ought to bring their notepad. That man of God stands in that pulpit. Those gray hairs will tell you something when he's preaching. He's walked where we've not walked. Those men have walked where we've not walked. Things, yeah, yes, yes, there's adjustments. Yes, there's, there's change. Listen, we've got to be willing to adjust. But listen, heaven's not silent tonight. Nothing has to be perfected in heaven. It's already perfected. You see, he, that's why he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know what earth is to be? It's to be a colony of the kingdom. The government of the church, the way we live, we're a part of a royal priesthood. Walk like it, act like it. Don't be ashamed to tell people, hey, don't you want this? No. They invited me years ago to, you know, class. Don't you dance like you used to? I said, no. You don't? I said, no. No, don't dance. Why? Why? I got born again. And they look at you like you're on something. I didn't even know what math was when they asked me that years ago. Or, you know, and people act like it's something strange. Now everybody does it. And let me tell you what we've got. We've got a church age that does anything and everything the world does. And the church used to influence the world. You know, let me tell you why. Because there was conviction. There was a boundary. There were, there were stipulations that you could not cross. And now we close out. Now we close out. I want to read this to you. And look how the end came for Joseph. The second time, Patiphar, he leaves. She catches Joseph. Came to pass, verse 11. This time that Joseph went into the house to do business. And there was none of the men of the house there within. What is it about the human nature that likes to play hide and seek? Come on, I'm not being funny. 
Remember Adam and Eve after they sinned? What they tried to do? Tried to hide, didn't they? You ever notice that? Notice he says, since she caught him. Now today they'd holler rape or sexual harassment. And that's basically what she did. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. What was that? Conviction. This man lived with God. He was sold and betrayed by his family. And she lies on him. Listen. Came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried. She's telling her husband that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until the Lord came home. Notice this. And she spake unto him, according to these words, the Hebrew servant which you hired, basically what she's saying that you brought to us. He came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, be careful when you're walking against conviction, there's entrapments. And if you don't think the devil will send someone to lie on you, you better watch it. Better watch it. Notice this. And she spake, verse 17. This is, this is Genesis 39, 17. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, you know, and then in verse 18, it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and he fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife. Notice this. When she spake unto him, saying after the manner, did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. Who have I hired? And Joseph master took him and put him into the prison. He had just got out. And now he's going back in again. And Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in prison. But look at verse 21. But the Lord, and you'll read this more than one time, was with Joseph and he showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. When you're where you need to be, and you live by holy convictions personally between you and God. Come on. I'm telling you, God will shut the devil's mouth no matter what climate you get in that you're so uncomfortable. No matter what you hate, I don't like this process. Hang on, because God's got favor for you. Y'all feel what I feel here tonight? How St. Field and sister, it don't have to be. Jesus will show up. Come on now. It don't have to be two or three. There's more than that here. God's got something for someone here more than someone here tonight. He wants you to leave different than when he came in. I don't have to lay hands on you. There's an impartation. I believe there's a cloud here tonight. I believe I heard from God here within the last month on this. And this is, listen, I'm telling you, we're going to have to preach it, fellas. Those of you that are in it, we're going to have to preach it. You're going to have to live it, Christian. Somewhere you got to turn. Somewhere there's got to be a change. Somewhere we're going to have to change our garments. And that don't mean legalism. I'm not talking about just physical. I'm talking about spiritually. We're going to have to live convicted lives before the world. Amen. I told a man one time, and I didn't know it. Brother David, we went in, and you might remember, bug tussle. I'm glad y'all ain't going to sell this, because if he's alive, he could come after me. <laughs> but I, no, I had a great, he showed me great respect. But, you know, Big man, I'd say probably about six foot seven, six foot eight. Went to eat a steak back in the mid 80s. All of a sudden, I heard GD. And my boss is sitting there. I'm working part time with an exterminate company. 
I said, I'm going to eat this steak. When I get through, I'm going to tell him. Oh, he said, Lyndon, please don't. I, I scared him today. He said, please don't do it. He said, let me get to the car first. I said, I'm going to talk to him. I'm, I'm giving him money for his steak. I'm coming here to eat steak. And I said, God's last name's not down. And buddy, that boss of mine, he inhaled that steak quickly to get to that car because he knew that was my conviction. I didn't go, Dale, up to him to holler. I just introduced myself to him. I said, I enjoyed your steak. You had to dip it in honey. He said, well, thank you. I said, but I'm very grieved. He said, what happened? I said, you, I said, you took God's name in vain. And I said, his last name's not down. And I said, I am a Christian and I'm a preacher and I'm convicted. I said, it grieved me. I enjoy coming here and eat, but I just, he looked at me like, Man, I'm telling you, like somebody pulled, just like God just did an open heart surgery on him. He didn't get mad. He was humiliated. Brother, he was humiliated. He said, I'm sorry. I used to be a preacher. You hear me? I didn't know that. God did. I understood he had a fairly rough background. People that not walking with God got to call. That's usually what happens. There's always a fish to swallow them, and that's mercy. Because if there ain't no fish, they ain't going to drown. Listen, don't turn him away tonight. Could you write down, and you don't show nobody, even husband's wife, respectfully, can you write down at least five convictions? Or how many could you write down? And don't show them to me, and don't show them. Can you write down convictions that you have as a Christian? And I'm going to say this respectfully. If you can't, have mercy. Somewhere we've got to have conviction. What are you saying? What's right and what's wrong? You believe this is right? You believe this is wrong? Come on. I've never mistreated a homosexual. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? I've got some family. I have never, I don't believe in the last step, but I've never mistreated a homosexual. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? But I have a conviction. You hear what I'm saying? When God made man, he didn't put another man with him. Biblically. How many of you believe the Bible? Y'all ain't afraid of this tonight, are you? He gave him a woman, didn't he? Dr. Falwell said it wasn't Adam and Steve, it was Adam and Eve. And I don't hate lesbians, I don't hate homosexuals. There's some astounding, remarkable testimonies of people that once lived that lifestyle. And many of them were molested and sexually abused and went into that way. I'm saying this to you tonight, but I have a conviction. They'll say, well, you hate us. No, I don't hate you. But I'll tell you this. God hates that lifestyle. And he said it's an abomination. He said in Leviticus 18. Oh, it's Old Testament. Listen, I don't care how old the mule is. If you can still ride a mule, ride a mule. And it's still, come on. Old Testament, we're not under the Mosaic law, but it's still there. No, no one that's infeminate is going into the kingdom. Come on, church. Conviction. That's conviction. The conviction, why? Well, I don't believe Christians should drink. I don't believe in sipping saints. Come on. You don't have to agree with me, but I'm just telling you. I don't believe that. I don't believe you can sit watch dirty movies and laugh. Come on. Foul, filthy. Like, yeah, you go hear things out in the world. Went to Six Flags over Georgia years ago and had a shirt on about 
Repentance. Oh, my God. I got everything but stone before I got out. I couldn't wait to ride the screen machine. And they were screaming in line before I ever got on the machine. Because when they saw my shirt, I'm telling you, people were looking. And I'm talking about it at least 20 years ago. They didn't like it. We've gone so long without a move of God. It's strange language. And it's a strange lifestyle to them. And I'm telling you, when I was your age, it wasn't that way. When we went to the Assemblies of God in Jasper, when we went to Pentecostal churches, there was conviction. It wasn't condemnation. Sometimes the older women of the church would come back and say, Honey, don't you want to pray? But listen, you don't even have to have that. When God wants you to get out of that pew, you can get out where you're at. You ain't got to come to an altar. You can get out right where you're at and pray through. Charles Finney prayed through in the woods. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about walking with God. I'm not talking about living according to my convictions and my standards. Come on. I'm talking about walking with God and where you can be able to sit down and say, Lord, I want to please you and I want to obey you. And I'm going to say this. Joseph could have. He could have done it and no one knew it but God, but he fled youthful lust. It wasn't worth him losing favor with God. Do you want what the world wants because the world does it? I'm not talking about just immorality. I'm talking about just anything. Come on. You know what you hear most of? I don't see anything wrong with it. Brother Clinton said years ago, he said, America has devised a theology to fit their own lifestyle. Apostle Worley was in Oklahoma preaching about 1,500 on Sunday morning. Sunday night, they weren't even half that. And he said, while he was praying, he said, the Holy Ghost said, my people, said to my people in America, serve me at their own convenience. You know, I'm just saying, listen, when you want something bad enough, you'll get there. I preached in Mexico years ago, been there several times. And Brother David, it was raining I had even had fever. I had to lay down early in the day, change the climate. Where we were at was a place called Uruwapan, and, and that's how you pronounce it. And, and, and 69 degrees year-round. But we traveled a good little distance, and temperature dropped about, temperature went up about 20 degrees, and my body changed to it. But we still, that night, we went to a crusade, and it was pouring the rain. We showed them the Hispanic film, in, in Hispanic speaking, but it showed them the film of Elijah and Baal. And you know who came? You know who didn't leave? The Hispanics. You know how they got there? Barefoot, walking, and some of them riding mules because they heard American missionaries were there. And to them, that was big. You know how people get excited? Oh, I want to go see this, and I want to go see that, and I want to... And you know, you get excited, and you look forward to... Well, to them, they look forward to coming to see missionaries. That was very, very big to them. And you know what they did? They sat, and they stood... And then countless gave their heart to Jesus when they saw that there's a real God that'll answer by fire. I'm just saying there's a different world out there, church. God put you here to be the difference. On the sad end of this, while we conclude, you have a man in Judges 16. By the way, Joseph had such a promotion. He overcame the lust. He overcame that man's wife. He got in prison and was lied on and betrayed. But when it was over, when the testing was over, he was second seat to Pharaoh. He went in as a nobody. You ever wondered why am I going through this? God's got plans for your life. And you're going to be tested. And I got to tell you, I just, there's some tests I just don't like. I just wish God had changed his pattern of doing things. But he don't. But he overcame it. 
sitting second seat to Pharaoh. We know the story. And then here comes the famine. And then here comes his family and they can't recognize him. And what, he did, what does he do? He feeds them. But he overcame. You know why? Conviction. Judges 16. Here's a man who was a Nazarite. His mother made a vow. Come on. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 4. And he knew not to go and mix with a woman from another tribe. Stay with me. The train's on the track. But he did it anyway. When you get the chance, you read it. Repeatedly, it says this, as she pressed him daily. You know what the problem was? The problem wasn't her. The problem was, here's a man that had been committed to the Lord by his mother. He took the jawbone of an ass and beat a thousand Philistines. There was nothing that he couldn't do. She, three times, uh, he, he said, if you'll tie me with, you know, he tie, you do all these things and uh, you can find out where my, the, the enemy wants to know what's in you that's of God. I want to know where your strengths lie. And the more he toyed and took for granted what God had placed on his life, that anointing, and he was special because there was a vow attached to him. Let me tell you where he missed it. He walked against his vow. He didn't keep his vow to God. And he walked against his conviction. He didn't start out with his head in her lap, but before it's over with, he becomes so weak as she pressed him daily. You read that. And the Bible says in Judges 16 that when the Spirit of the Lord departed, he was not even aware of it. That's how bad off he got. Conviction number one, stay away from her. Her name's Delilah. She's an immoral woman. But it's okay because I'm anointed of God and I'm special. So he goes back twice. And then he goes back the third time. Come on. And then he goes back and before it's over with, his head is in her lap. No conviction. See, when you keep walking against light, conviction, what used to make you uncomfortable, now is easy. You understand? And what happened to him, the enemy was out to destroy him. Wasn't the devil's fault. He made the choices. I don't blame Delilah. Would you? Samson was responsible for his downfall because he lost his conviction. God set boundaries with his family. He set boundaries with the Nazarites. Come on. He set boundaries with the priesthood. When we have no boundaries, anything goes. Who can identify with this here tonight? No, this may not make you shout, but I'll tell you this much. It'll make you search yourself. It'll make you search yourself. I want you to stand with me here tonight. I want you to bow your head, if you will. And I just say that because we don't want no one to distract you. And I just want to encourage you to begin to pray across this auditorium tonight. I want to read something to you before Lucas plays. I want to read something that the Lord gave me tonight. You know, there was a conspiracy against him. You, you, can, you can read where the Lord of the Philistines, that was five different tribes, areas, that conspired to tell Delilah, Delilah, we're going to hire you to find his strength. 
He's an intimidation to this region. Five, that's who it was. Gaza was one, Gath, Ascalon, Ekron, and Ashdod. All of these, and I put them in my notes, considered Samson as a public enemy. Huh? Listen. He walked against his conviction. I'm not going to read all this. But I do want to read this to you. And I want you to pay close attention to this. Your character is what you do when no one is watching. Your character is what you do when no one is watching. Number two, your private lifestyle. Are you who you say you are? Are you who you say you are? Joseph, yes. Samson became a reproach. But at the end, the enemy didn't destroy him. The Bible says his hair began to grow again. There's restoration. See, when the enemy, they, they cut his hair, but they couldn't get the roots. They cut what could be evident, but they couldn't get to the root. And I'm going to tell you, if you've ever been born again, and if you really, 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 really desire him, the enemy can't get that root. You may feel like, and you may say, oh God, I've done this, I've done, but let me say this to you. That's what he did. He said, Lord, one more time. Just one more time, give me what I had. Because he knew it. He knew it. And you know something? If it's there, you'll know it. He was restored. And I believe that's the sign and the hope of the body of Christ. No matter where we've come from and the reproach and the shipwrecks and the sin that has lied at the doors of the church. The enemy cannot extinguish the entire body. Come on. And he can't extinguish anyone unless they let him. Remember that. The devil does not have control over you unless you open the door for him to. One, one other little thing right here I want to give you. The, air, the area the enemy attacked him in was the area he wasn't consecrated. Remember that. He let go. Oh, he was at one time. But the area the enemy went after him in is the area that he gave up. You ever put something and said, Lord, I'm laying this on the altar? You ever, you, have you ever done that? And then you find yourself, you took it back and said, well, I believe it'll be all right. Oh, my. God moved you to do that to save you from trouble. And I say this respectfully, not condemning you. No one here tonight. There's got to be some conviction somewhere in your life. Yours don't have to number up to what Pastor Frost thinks, Pastor Langford doing, but only God. Because in that day, those books are going to be open, but that first book is, is the Lamb, Lamb's Book of Life. Come on. How many of you want heaven to be home? Lucas is playing Pastor Jonathan mentioned a dear sister, dear lady a while ago that needs God to move. There's so many needs here. And how many can raise your hands and, and say, I've got unspoken request? You might even have spoken. I just want you to raise your hands across the auditorium tonight. 
And I want to encourage you to pray.